Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's views from the 573 Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well on this Thursday afternoon. Got a bunch of stuff on this pod, including something that just broke within the last 20 minutes of starting this recording. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that news is and what it means with a couple other things. I think it's about time we do a little bit of an MLB update and uh, see where things are at with the standings and all that stuff. So figure we'll do that. The NBA schedule dropped yesterday. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Some of the standout games to look at. Some of the Christmas games, which is something everybody always looks at with the schedule. Is who's playing on Christmas. So we're going to look at that. Some other notable games throughout the season. Who's going to get us started off and all that good stuff. So we're going to start there. With the NBA, with that stuff, we got LeBron signing an extension here and re-upping with the Lakers for the next couple years. So there's that. And of course, we're still rolling along with our football previews. This week in college football, we're not going to be hitting any particular conference. We're just going to be going around the group of five and looking at where the top teams stand in those conferences, who the top teams are are going to be in that in those conferences and who might make a Cincinnati like run next year to potentially get into the college football playoff. So we're going to be hitting the group of five this week. And then next week be prediction time. As we take a look at the season as a whole, make predictions for the season. And also I think we can make a, a few week zero predictions as it's called, you know, next week being week zero with some games, Kicking off next week that we can predict a few games there with full-on predictions for games coming the week after. So that's college football. NFL, we are heading to the AFC North, and we are going to be talking about the Bengals, the Browns, who we're going to talk about here in a minute, Steelers, and the Ravens. So I'm going to get to talk about Matt Peters' teams today. That should be fun. So that's going to be the rundown for this week's show so without further ado let's get started let's get started with the breaking news that's happened here with Deshaun Watson we finally know what his suspension is going to be the NFL had set out to make an appeal and they have been talking about what type of appeal is it going to be so the NFL Deshaun Watson hit and his people around him, the NFLPA, they've been discussing possible alternatives to the six-game suspension that was suggested and that was handed out. So we know what that is going to be as it has come down here that it's going to be 11 games for Deshaun Watson. That it's going to be 11 games and a $5 million fine there was also talk about how much he was going to get fined, so that's going to be the number. He's also going to undergo a treatment program, so that's going to be involved in that. And he is going to be gone 11 games with the next game he can possibly come back. Isn't it a coincidence? Going to be against the Texans in Week 13. So Watson is suspended for 11 games. It's a five-game bump from the six-game suspension. That's not a full year like I think I thought we, he was going to get, like a lot of people wanted him to get. 
So this is 11-game suspension. He's going to miss more than half the season. He's going to come back week 13 with only a few more games left to play. So initial thoughts, again, I think a lot of people probably wanted a year-long suspension to this and thought that this was going to be a year-long suspension. And when we got the six-game suggestion that, you know, hey, this is how many games. And we saw the NFL appealing. So I think I think we knew that it was going to be a year-long suspension just by how things were going. So it, 11 games is how long he is going to be gone. So it looks like for the Browns, it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. That's going to be getting the majority of snaps for the Browns this season. And Brissett is a solid backup. Not as talented as Deshaun, but is, he is a solid QB to come in there. He's had some experience starting games. And very curious, considering we're going to be talking about the Browns here a little bit later with our previews, of, about how the Browns will be looked upon in the AFC North with the Bengals making the run they did last year with Steelers. You wonder what's going to be their quarterback situation. And you got the Ravens. And they appear to be the other team to contend in that division. So how do the Browns stack up against the rest of those teams? So that's something we're going to talk about down the line. So it looks like Jacoby Brissett's going to be getting the snaps. Deshaun Watson suspended for 11 games. $5 million fine. And he's going to be... Undergo is going to be undergoing a treatment program. So that is the latest coming from what's been going on with Sean Watson. We've been keeping up with it pretty much every step of the way. And now here we are with the official suspension for form again. That's 11 games, a $5 million fine. He's going to be in a treatment program for all this. And the Browns, they're going to, Go with Jacoby Percet for a majority of the season. And Watson will be back around week 13 when they'll be playing the Houston Texans. And that a little caveat to that, it's going to be in Houston. So that's going to make it a little bit more coincidental right there. So that's the latest on Deshaun Watson and that saga going on. So moving on from Deshaun Watson, let's head on over to the MLB for a quick second and let's take a look at where things stand right now in the world of baseball. And right now, let's start with the National League. I believe the last time we did this, we started with the American League. So let's start with the National League. And let's start out with the NL East. And take a look at this division. Of course, the Nationals, who are the bottom team in that division, the worst with the worst record in all of baseball, 39 and 80. Of course, they made headlines by trading Juan Soto. They got a youth movement going on. So they're sitting in the cellar of the East and in all of baseball. M- Miami, 52 and 66. 
taking fourth in the division. Then you got the Phillies at 65 and 52. And you got the Atlanta Braves and New York Mets atop that division with the Mets at 76 and 42. And getting really hot here recently, winning seven of their last 10. And the Braves, who are hot as well, winning eight of their last 10 at 72 and 47. And only four and a half back of the Mets as well. So take that into account. That's going to be a race to watch. Moving on to the NL Central. The Cardinals have been a team that's really kind of gotten hot here recently as well. Uh, they, they're they winners of their last 7 of 10. And that leads them to a 65-51 and 51 record right now. Taking control of the NL Central. They got a three-game lead on the Brewers at 62-54. and 54. Taking a look at the rest of the division, you got the Cubs at 49-67, Reds at 46-70, Pirates 45-72. So Peter Seam is about right where we thought it would be. So there's that. The NL West. Uh, Rockies starting at 51 at 68. They're at the bottom of that division. Diamondbacks 54 and 63. The Giants 59 and 58. So they're only a game above 500. As uh, they were a team that it was really good last year, made the playoffs, and they've really kind of gone on the downswing uh, this season. Padres 66 and 54. Hasn't been what you exactly want when you bring Juan Soto in. But here they are. They're 17 games back at the Dodgers. It's going to be tough to catch them. Dodgers sitting at 81 and 35 with the best record in all of baseball. So that's how things are stacking up in the National League. Let's see how things are stacking up in the American League. Let's head out west and look at that division with the Oakland A's. At 43 and 75, bringing up the rear of the NL West, or the AL West rather, the Angels at 51 and 67, Rangers at 52 and 65, the Mariners at 65 and 54. There's a good chance that they could make the playoffs, and it's been a while. It's been a minute since they've uh, done such a thing. So they're looking really good right now. 11 games back at the Astros sitting at 76 and 43 top of the NL West. Right now they have the best record in the American League. So, moving on to the AL Central, Detroit Tigers 45 at 75, Royals 48-71, and then you got three teams above 500 with all of them competing for the top spot in the division. With the White Sox at 61 and 57, Twins at 61 and 55, and the Guardians right now currently on top of that division at with a record of 63 and 55. And that division is only separated by two games. So that should be a fun race to watch as the season goes on. Taking a look at the American League. No teams under 500 in this division. It's a really tough division. With the Red Sox at 59 and 59 and last place. Orioles 61 and 56. They've kind of tailed off here after having a really hot start. Blue Jays sitting at 62 and 54, along with the Rays with the same record. And then the New York Yankees at 73 and 45. The Yankees have tailed off here recently. They've gotten cold. 
Out of their last 10, they've only won three. So things are not going how the Yankees want them to go here recently. Uh, losing that that top spot in all the American League. And really cooling off here. And we'll see if they can get hot as the season heads towards a close. So taking a look at playoff standings right now, seeing where things stack up, of course, you got your division winners right now. So if things stayed the same right now, the Yankees would win the East, Guardians win the Central, Astros win the West, and the AL, so they would be guaranteed locks. And in the National League, Mets would win the East, Cardinals win the Central, and Dodgers win the West. So that's how things would go. And if I am right, I think we got three wildcard spots in each league this year. And I, I think I, I hope I'm right with that. It, it's changed a lot. So looking at the American League right now, the Mariners sitting really good in one wild card spot. Then you got the Rays and the Blue Jays taking control of those other two wild card spots. And it's a really tight race from there on out, where you got the Twins a game back, the Orioles a game and a half back, White Sox two games back, and the Red Sox four games back. After that, it's 10 games or more. So it's really tight race for those three wildcard spots right there with uh, all those teams involved. So that could be a fun thing to watch in the American League. And in the National League, you got the Braves sitting atop at 72-47 and 47 with the Phillies at 65-52 and 52 and the Padres at 66-54. and 54. So if the season ended right now, those would be your three teams in those wildcard spots. With the Brewers only being two games back. And the Giants being five and a half games back. And after that, it's ten plus games as well. So not as many teams contending for those three spots in the National League. But that's a very close race as well. So right now, that's where things stand. In the world of baseball, as we get closer to September and October, and where things are going to start to settle out a little bit more about who's the top of these divisions, who's going to be in the hunt for those wild card spots. So that's where things are at in Major League Baseball as of August 18th. So we still got a ways away, ways away before the season gets to a close. So it should be a fun race with a lot of these teams jockeying for position and trying to get into the postseason and see if they can make a run to the World Series because once you get into playoff baseball, it's a whole new season. Anything can happen. So there's where we are at with the world of Major League Baseball. So moving on from the world of baseball, let's move into the world of basketball and talk some hoops real quick as we got a couple things to take a look at with Le- one LeBron James and getting and his contract extension and signing a huge one bringing his total earnings in the NBA to I believe well over 500 million and just an absurd number so LeBron signing an extension with the LA Lakers there's a lot of talk about you know him not signing an extension there's a deadline for him to sign an extension well he's officially signed it and he's going to be a Laker for a little bit while longer. 
And let me let me pull up the official numbers here on the extension. Uh, two years with a player option for the 24-25 season. It's $97.1 million, two years. And before this extension, LeBron had $44.5 million of his deal worth heading to the final year. So that is going to take him into a couple more years. As uh, We'll have to see where he's at in a couple more years, but no signs of slowing down. Not much, of, if any, signs. So he's going to be a Laker for a couple more years. Had some people wondering, could there be a third stint to Cleveland involved? Or when Bronny gets into the league, will he go where Bronny goes? So right now, looks like LeBron is locking down in L.A. for a couple more years at least. We'll have to see how that player option goes. And uh, see where he's at in a couple years. So, going to push him well over $500 million again for career earnings. And curious about the Lakers' salary cap. Because I believe in, not a year, but about two years or so, that the Lakers going to have some salary cap to work with. Maybe they can go and try to get a max type of player or try to split that up. My recommendation would be try to split that up, get as many guys as you can around LeBron and AD and whoever else is there at the time. And I believe there's also a year where it's only LeBron and AD's contracts that are on the books. That may be the year I'm talking about where there's a little bit more cap space, like $20 million or so. But if that is, uh, if that's definitely a year, I think, I think it's two years from now, or maybe a year from now, where that's the case, then the Lakers are going to have some cap room to play around with. And again, going after the big star, I mean, it's LeBron's MO. That's what he would do. That's what he always has done when it comes to building these teams. Let's go after another star. I would just try to fill out the best team possible, put good pieces around me, guys I can play, make, create off the dribble, create off the ball, can shoot, can defend, rebound, all that stuff. So LeBron... Gets a new extension, gets a new deal, comes even an even richer man, and uh, is staying in L.A. for a couple more years. And if you're a Lakers fan, you are you're probably pretty excited about that. So LeBron is going to be staying with your team for a couple more years. So speaking of LeBron and his Lakers, I'm sure we're going to talk about them in a couple of these games. But let's take a look at the NBA schedule, which was officially. Released yesterday with all the games that we know of that are going to be on the national networks. The games that are going to be on MLK Day, on Christmas Day. And one thing that's also been brought out is no games on Election Day. So that's a little bit of change from years past. So taking a look at some of the more notable games. Uh, speaking of LeBron's Lakers. They're going to be one of the teams to get a start off on Tuesday night on October 18th. 
where you got the Sixers and Celtics tipping things off in the first game of the season. And then you've got the Lakers going against the defending champs in Golden State to wrap up opening night. And then on October 19th, that's when really all the games get underway. Got a lot of fun games. Knicks are taking on the Grizzlies. That's going to be an early ESPN 6.30 start time. You got the Pelicans going against the Nets. Mavericks versus the Suns. If you remember that from the semifinals, how fun of a series that was. And uh, you got a couple other good games on opening week, uh, in all honesty. TNT back on Thursday night. Bucks against Sixers. Clippers against Lakers. Pretty good slate. And then on Friday night, you got Celtics and Heat. A rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals. And we'll we'll have to see if uh, guys like Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant get traded. You know, the Heat have been mentioned along with those two guys. And the Celtics have been mentioned alongside with KD's name. So we'll have to see if any of these teams make any changes here. With uh, especially with those two, but a couple other games to note. There's, I believe they have a rivalry week set up as what they dub it, rivalry week. So there's that. There's also games in which guys are going to be going up against old teams, like you got the Nets and 76ers. Will we finally see Ben Simmons play against the Sixers? It the game is at Philly, and that's on November 22nd on TNT. So that could be a fun game to watch. And see these two teams that have been connected in the last few months with that trade go against each other. Then you got Minnesota taking on Utah. Rudy Gobert returning to Utah after getting traded to the Timberwolves. And seeing how he's received. The New York Knicks at Dallas Mavericks, of course. thing going on with that is Jalen Brunson leaving Dallas for New York. And along with the whole tampering investigation that was surrounding that whole ordeal so you have that then you have some other games that are probably fun between the rookies I know there's one I don't know the date but with Paulo Bancaro against a guy who's not a rookie and DeJounte Murray and they have been going at it here in the last week or so so that's going to be a fun game to watch get your popcorn ready for that uh, postseason rematches, of course, Minnesota taking on Memphis. That was a fun series. You got Minnesota taking on the Clippers on December 14th, which Patrick Beverly acted like they won the championship right there. So that should be fun. Finals rematch on December 10th, Boston at Golden State, 730 Central Time at least on ABC. That'll be fun. Then you got a Western Conference Finals rematch on November 29th at Dallas between Golden State. So that should be fun as well. Uh, take a look at some of those rookies, you know, rookies versus rookies games. October 19th. Speaking of Paulo, you got him going to Detroit, facing off against those guys with Jay and Jalen Dern, Jane Ivy, Kate Cunningham, and that group up in Detroit. Then, then you got Houston, Atlanta that same night with Jabari Smith and Jalen Green taking on the Atlanta Hawks. Oklahoma City 
against Minnesota. I, I just realized these are not rookies on rookies, but these are fun rookie matchups. Uh, there is one. Orlando Magic, of course, against Oklahoma City. Number one and number two pick going against each other November 1st on TNT. Houston, Orlando, November 7th. With Paolo taking on Jabari Smith. That should be a fun matchup. We got to see a little bit of them play against each other in the Summer League. And that was really fun. And then some other games to talk about. You know, Dallas and Milwaukee got... Guys like Luka and Giannis going against each other. Those guys are going to be MVP headliners right there. Golden State, Milwaukee. That could be a potential finals preview. So so those are some of the games there. Uh, let's take a look at some of the Christmas Day games that we have here. Of course, we get five every year. And the NFL, they're com- they've started to have games on Christmas as well. So... That's something to take note of to go along with that. So there's going to be a, no shortage of things to watch and uh, on Christmas Day. You got your NFL. You got your basketball. You can take your pick. So taking a look at the Christmas Day slate in probably the first game that we're going to have. You got the 76ers heading to Madison Square Garden to take on the Knicks. Well, you're going to get a rematch of the Eastern Conference semifinal matchup, one of them, with the Bucks visiting the Celtics. And those are a couple of Eastern Conference matchups. The others are all Western Conference matchups. You got the Lakers visiting Luka and Dallas. Then you got Phoenix visiting the Denver Nuggets. And you got what Ja and Draymond have been asking for. Memphis playing their first Christmas Day game. Heading to the Bay. Playing Golden State in a rematch of what was a fun and chippy and still kind of chippy matchup between these two teams. So those are your Christmas Day games. And those should be a lot of fun and just take a look at these matchups. Suns Nuggets has all the potential to be a really fun matchup. That could be a really fun playoff matchup. Memphis and Golden State, we already know what that can bring. That could be really fun. Uh, Milwaukee and Boston, that should be a really standout game of the day. Just a really solid Christmas Day slate there. With uh, Memphis finally getting a Christmas Day game. Excited about that. And that leaves, I believe, the Charlotte Hornets as the only team to have not gotten a Christmas Day game. So only one team left, and who knows, maybe they'll get that game sooner rather than later. If LaMelo Ball continues his ascension in the league and becomes a superstar. So maybe we'll see the Hornets here sooner rather than later, and then everybody will have had a Christmas Day game. So, you're looking at these games, a lot of potential playoff matchups that you could be excited about if it comes to that. Uh, Bucks Celtics would be a fun matchup. Grizz, Warriors, Suns, Nuggets, Lakers, and, and Mavs would be fun, too. So, really fun slate on, on, uh, on, on a Christmas Day. Then on MOK, you got a couple games there. 
with Memphis usually hosting Christmas, MLK Day games, uh, hosting one that day as well against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, those are always a treat to go to, and it's always it's always a treat when you have a good matchup on that day to be included in that. And if things work out the way they should, that should be a fun matchup with Phoenix heading to Memphis that day. So those are some of the some of the notable games that we we see on the schedule right now. There's probably some others out there as well. Um, as you can tell, I'm really excited about my team getting in on the Christmas Day action. We got a lot more national TV games this year. I believe we got 18 as the number. And so that's really jumped up. It uh, shows how, you know, with the brand that they've built with this new era with Jaw leading the way, that is exciting. People want to see them. And the people have spoken, and they're on a lot more games, on a lot more networks this year. And going to get a lot more eyeballs to watch them and see what they're about. So I'm excited about that. So all in all, that's the NBA schedule. That's the NBA as a whole. So as we move on from the NBA, let's move on and talk about some college football. And let's head on over and let's talk about the group of five. Of course, we've wrapped up all of our Power Five conferences with the SEC last week. And we are pretty much talking about all the power, all the non-power five conferences, some more than others. I think we're going to leave a couple out, considering there's just a lot to talk about. So, taking a look at the group of five heading into 2022, with some things to watch. You know, let's start out with the Mountain West Conference and let's head out there and uh, talk about them. I think when you look at the Mountain West, you look at a couple teams there. But I think the team you look at right now is probably Boise State. And Boise State is probably a favorite to win this year. Of course, new coach last year. Got him in the second year. Usually year two is where you see that leap. So what they got coming back. They got George Halani coming back at running back. Downside is you lose a big play receiver in Khalil Shakir, who's headed off to the NFL. And you look at their quarterback situation. Hank Bachmeyer is coming back. You do got a solid receiver that's really efficient. Stephon Cobb's coming back. You got three potential all-conference linemen coming back. And then you got a really loaded defense with experience and a lot of upside with Scott Matlock and Jackson Cravens on the front lines. And then guys like J.L. Skinner on the back end as part of that safety group. But the big thing for Boise State is no known big play weapon. That's what Shakir was for Boise State. So we'll have to see how they can create Big big plays and can get easy points up on the board. So they're probably going to be a team to watch as far as the group of five out of the Mountain West. That's probably going to be the team to watch 
out west. Heading on to the American Athletic, and that this is probably the more fun of the group of five conferences, is because you got a lot of teams that can make a lot of noise here. And it you could probably take your pick out of any of these teams, whether it's Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, SMU, Memphis. Can Memphis make a jump up again this year? But it does look like Cincinnati is probably going to be the team to watch. Now, they did lose a whole lot. And by a whole lot, I mean a whole lot. Losing Desmond Ritter at quarterback, Jerome Ford at running back, Alex Alec Pierce at receiver, Darian Beavers at linebacker, Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, the best cornerback duo in the country. They're all going to the NFL. That's a lot of talent and a lot of experience that has gone to the next level. And so Luke Fickle has a job this year to try to replace a lot of that talent. And I think the natural thought is that they will regress a little bit. I think when you lose that amount of talent, it's almost probably expected that you would would probably regress a little bit. Uh, But you look at the job Luke Fickle has done, I think you know what he's all about and what he's gotten that program to be in his tenure there. I still think you got to feel good about where they're headed in 2022. So taking a look at Cincinnati, they're going to be playing a lot of a lot of their home games in one of the honestly not too bad stadium for a Power Five conference. You got a pretty good defense that's bringing back some pieces. And you got some pieces on offense that are intriguing and uh, seeing how they fit in. So let's take a look through them. So, of course, the thing is, who's going to replace Desmond Ritter at quarterback? And it could be somebody like Ben Bryant, who threw for over 3,000 yards at Eastern Michigan last year. Or whether it's Evan Prater, a former four-star recruit. So you got to try to figure out who's going to be the guy to replace one of the more successful quarterbacks in Cincinnati history. And uh, it's going to it's going to be up to a guy that transferred in, or it's going to be a former high-level blue-chip recruit. At running back, you lose Jerome Ford, but. The guy that's coming back, Ryan Montgomery, averaged 6.8 yards per carry. So that's not bad. So exactly what you want at running back. No Alec Pierce. You get Nick Mortner, a Hawaii transfer that's coming back, who had similar stats last year to Pierce, who who averaged 19.9 yards per catch, which is absurd. So you got him coming in. Maybe he takes that role on defense. You do lose a lot of pieces there, but the guys that came in for the guys that left, like Beavers and Brian and Gardner, not too shabby. And taking a look at them, you got Malik Fan at defensive end, who apparently had better sack and pressure rates than departing star on that line uh, by Sanders. I know I probably just butchered that one, but uh, Darren Beavers at linebacker. You lose him, but you got a guy that can play 
a knuckleback linebacker hybrid and a Sean Pace, and you got Miami of Ohio transfer Ivan Pace. So maybe the paces there can really help set up that linebacking core really well. And it's going to be harder to play Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. I mean, it, it is going to be tough to place two standout corners that could pretty much lock down both sides of the field for you. So that's probably going to be the biggest question mark besides quarterback is who's going to replace those two guys on the back end. But Cincinnati, they're probably going to be the team to beat in the American Athletic Conference. Houston could potentially be a team to watch with Dana Holgerson getting this team off to a really good start. And looking at them, uh, Houston has ended up on some way too early rankings lists and ended up pretty high on those lists. So that tells you a lot about what analysts and, you know, quarters think about this team and what it could be heading into 2022. Uh, UCF and SMU could be teams to watch. Gus Malzahn in year two with the, with the Golden Knights. Could they see a, a rise up in year two? SMU has been a team that's actually had some success here uh, pretty recently. So we'll have to see how they do with uh, Rhett Lashley inheriting a uh, inheriting this team. Who they they've lost a couple guys, but they look like they're going to be a pretty solid team. Memphis has been a team that to watch in the AAC. Whether when whether they take a step up this year after uh, losing a couple guys last year ended up six and six not the type of team that they've been in recent memory and they played a lot of one score games uh, salvaged bowl eligibility last year so we'll have to see how things go for the Tigers this year. So who's going to be quarterback, whether it's going to be guys like Seth Hennigan, who came in last year and did okay. So we'll have to see how the Memphis Tigers step up with the American Athletics. So there's that conference. Moving on to, let's see where we're heading on to next, Sunbelt. Let's talk about the Sunbelt real quick and head on over there. And I think last we'll talk about the independents and talking about them. So taking a look at the Sun Belt, the team to beat is probably the team that lost the the coach, probably the best coach in the whole conference in Billy Napier. That is Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. And Looking at what they did in this offseason, you got to replace Napier. So what do you do? They stay in-house. You can't blame them at all either. That's, I think, what, you know, keeping keep the family, you know, keep on rolling with a good thing going. So they do that, and they went with 36-year-old offensive co-coordinator, uh, Michael Mo, and a lot of ties to the Raging Cajuns. It was an all-conference quarterback form. He got a start in his coaching career at local high schools around the area and has only coached at Louisiana for his college coaching career. 
starting out as a running backs coach in 2016. So he's now taking over the head job, and he's got to step into big shoes with what Napier did with Napier winning four Western Division crowns, going 34-5 and five over his final three years. So we're going to see if continuity is going to be the right move for Louisiana. So we're, we're going to have to see how things are going to set up. But he has been, you know, taught a lot of stuff about how to be prepared for this role. So we'll have to see how he goes. He named a couple former Napier assistants to both coordinator roles. And he does not have an easy task. He's got to replace Levi Lewis, the starting quarterback, two of the main, three main running backs. Their most frequently target receiver and perhaps something that was a staple of Napier's tenure there, four or five starters on the offensive line, all of whom were talked about and is earning all-conference status. So it's a lot to replace as a first-time coach. So you got to really find some guys that are really going to be able to step in and take those roles. So you're going to have to find some guys in the run back room like Chris Smith, receivers with Peter LeBlanc and Dante Fleming, a couple linemen there like A.J. Gilly. you got to find some guys there. And then a quarterback who are going to be some guys to step up there and take over for Levi Lewis. Is it going to be Chandler Fields and or Ben Woodridge? been recent backups for the program or is it going to be former Maryland quarterback who transferred into the program Lance Legreen I know I just butchered that too um and he was a four-star guy so we'll have to see if Louisiana can come in and find some guys to step in for those roles more continuity on defense though so that's that's a good thing for this program is that there's some known guys on here that can produce. So I do imagine Louisiana is probably one of the favorites for this division and for the Sun Belt as a whole. But they're going to contend with the Sun Belt East because they got a really, that could be a really fun division to watch. It can be out of the group of five divisions. It could be, probably the most exciting to watch with uh with teams that you got going on here where you got Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina having some success throughout the years Georgia State maybe making some noise you got one of the best FCS programs coming in and James Madison coming in so it could be a really fun division to watch in all the group of five conferences as to how fun this could be. So there's the Sun Belt. Let's take a look at some of the independents here. And of course, you can't. With, when you're talking about the independents, you got to start off with talking about Notre Dame and them heading into this year with a new coach, no Brian Kelly, Marcus Freeman taking over the head job there in 2022. Right now, Notre Dame is ranked fifth in the country. So, Notre Dame is starting off really highly ranked, and they're heading into a big week one matchup against number two, Ohio State. So, 
Welcome to the big leagues, Marcus Freeman. Your first big game? Going going against Ohio State. Have fun with that. But Notre Dame's probably going to be a team to watch and see how well Marcus Freeman does in his first year. Notre Dame, who's going to be your quarterback? No Jack Cohn. You're going to have guys like Tyler Buckner and Drew Penn coming in and probably being guys there to watch at QB. And it's probably going to be one of those two. Offensive line, really good, really solid four-star return. You got one of the best security blankets in the country, Michael Mayer at tight end. And looking at other positions, you know, running back Kyron Williams is gone. Wide receiver is still here looking for some guys to step up. Defense, you're you're probably looking pretty solid there. Even though you did lose somebody like Kyle Ham- Hamilton, who the uber talented safety, who's now gone to the NFL. You still bring back a lot of exciting pieces on that defense, including Isaiah Foxy, um, who is excellent defensive end, is a guy that I've seen in a lot of mock drafts being being in that top 20, top 25 range. And then you bring in Northwestern's Brandon Joseph at safety to kind of help that backfield after losing Hamilton. So uh, Freeman is... Freeman's MO is defense, so the defense should be fine. Should be finding an identity on that offense. But having a lot of starters on that offensive line coming back, that can go a long way and figure out what you want to do, whether it's going to be running game or receiver. And it could really help out whoever is behind center, whether it's Buckner or Penn. Whoever's back there can really help them out. So Notre Dame, as far as the independence, of course, it's somebody to watch. BYU. BYU's look has been really good here recently. And taking a look at BYU. Um, when their defense returns a lot of experience, it's really good. And this year, they return a lot of experience. Last year, they didn't. It really didn't go their way last year. But this year, they do. They return a lot of defenders. 16 and 17 defenders who recorded 250 plus snaps last year. Added a couple transfers in that secondary. And so now they bring in a lot of guys that played a lot of ball on defense and can really try to help set up BYU to be really good this year. Of course, offensively. They they have seen steady improvement throughout the years. And you got a quarterback in Jaron Hall who really took over for Zach Wilson and did a pretty good job, all things considered. Last year, only throwing five interceptions and only taking a few sacks. So he's not, not done too bad for himself as far as, far as that regard. He has lost a couple players on that offense at running back and wide receiver. But he's got a couple guys coming back that are that should really be impactful for him and should be weapons for him. And so I think as far as BYU, they're only going to go as far as how Jaron Hall and that defense can take them. So a couple other teams to look at as far as 
the independence. Liberty, of course, Hugh Freeze, that program, how they transition after losing Malik Willis and see if they can get some exciting stuff going on in that program again and see if Hugh Freeze can find a quarterback to replace Willis and step in. So they're probably another team to watch out for in the independence part of college football. But I think and that is all the noble teams I watch out for as far as the non-group of five teams. So I think that is it. I think that's it for full team previews right there. And uh, we've done it. So next week, we're going to sit down and we're going to make some predictions. It's finally that time. As uh, we get college football rolling next week, week zero, we're going to be making some predictions for the season, making some predictions for week zero, talking about a couple games next week, and then head on to week number one with all the big-time programs kicking off their seasons with a full slate of games. So it's, can we actually say it's finally here? So uh, it's it's going to be a fun time with uh with the college football getting back underway starting next week. So a couple other notes here before we leave college football just to take note of that are pretty notable is college football playoff committee they they met and one of the things they talked about was the possibility and potential of restructuring how college football is governed. So the 11 college presidents and chancellors who make up the uh, the college football playoff board met via Zoom on Monday and began a discussion that could be really impactful as far as to how college football is operated in the near future and how it's governed. And one of the ideas I was toyed around with was a was the possibility of major college football potentially being governed outside of the NCAA. And the most logical place probably for that to be run outside the NCAA would probably be under college football playoff committee and, uh, and those groups right now, they currently oversee of course the playoff and has contractual ties to, figure out all the other marquee postseason bowl games. So they discussed that idea of potentially having major college football being governed outside the NCAA with some of these discussions, with these discussions obviously being in the early stages and considering what the first steps of what would be a really complicated process, what would that be and how long that could take. So this is notable. This is really notable that uh, these discussions are being had in the first place with uh, you know with everything going on in college football. It's really notable that discussions between some big time people involved in the playoff committee are being held. So that's. This is this is a pretty big deal. I mean, of course, not uh, there could be nothing that comes out of this, but this is something. This is something to keep an eye out on. So the other big thing to talk about, as far as college football is concerned, is something that also happens today, 
and something that's been rumored and was officially agreed to with the Big Ten completing a seven-year, $7 billion media rights agreement with Fox, CBS, and NBC. So no games from the Big Ten on ESPN. Uh, The deal will begin next year on July 1st and run through the end of the 29-30 athletic year. There won't be a big financial windfall that that will come immediately. So there's that to take in consideration. The CBS payout in year one of the agreement is lower since they'll be carrying SEC games during the 23 season. Right before ESPN gets those SEC games from CBS. And CBS will only air seven Big Ten contests that fall. But the Big Ten's per school distribution will see a big upward swing in year two of the deal when you got USC and UCLA coming into the conference. And that will substantially rise as you get into year three and beyond. And looking at some more stuff with this deal, you got the Big Ten projected to eventually distribute $80 million to $100 million per year to each of its members. So that's going to be a really big jump. Because according to USA Today, the league distributed $54.3 million to most of its members during the most Recent fiscal year, which was 1920, that was not impacted by the pandemic. So that's a big jump. That's a that's a about a 30 to 40, close to 50 million dollar jump, right there. And so that's really going to help out those programs, the student athletes, with NIL and all that stuff, because now you're going to get some big time TV money coming in. And seeing that revenue really take an increase. So all three networks, looking at more details, will carry future Big Ten football championship games. Fox is going to remain the primary broadcast partner as carry the title game since its inception in 2011. But CBS will get to carry that game a couple times, including the first time in 24. And NBC will get it in 2026. But you'll see Fox carry that you know, that game a lot over the next few years. And so this is a big-time deal. This is a big-time deal with Fox and NBC and CBS getting it on the Big Ten with USC and UCLA making the big jump. As now ESPN, they're going to have pretty much everybody else. They're going to get SEC here not too long once CBS uh, moves off. Uh, of them and the SEC goes to ESPN, which will be here pretty soon in, uh, in 2024. And of course has the ACC's rights through the 25, uh, 2035 season. So big changes coming in the media landscape of college football right there. So that's some big time stuff heading in. Heading off from college football. As we head to the NFL. So let's move on. Talk about the AFC North. And again, this is a notable division because 
Man, Peter's favorite teams are in this division. So let's, uh, you know, let's start off with one of their teams. Uh, let's start off with Matt's Ravens here. As uh, one thing to take note of in their offseason is the whole Lamar Jackson contract negotiations and seeing where that's headed. So taking a look at the Ravens right now. So looking at what they lost last year, Marquise Brown gets straight to the Cardinals. Sammy Watkins goes to the Packers. Bradley Bozeman goes to the Panthers. Brandon Williams is not there anymore. Anthony Averett's not there. Jimmy Smith, Tavon Young, Deshaun Elliott. Sam Coke is not there. But they did sign a lot a lot of players. They brought in Mike Davis, Morgan Moses, Clayus Campbell's back, Michael Pierce is back, Kyle Fuller in addition, and Marcus Williams is coming into that backfield. And of course, got to include Kyle Hamilton coming in there. Ravens having another pretty good draft. So that's what the Ravens have been up to, adding some players to this roster to try to get back to the top of this division. So now, Baltimore, a couple questions on the offense. Marquise Brown going to Arizona, being trained to Arizona. And Lamar Jackson, um, What's his 22 going to be like with his contract situation? Really kind of being awkward with uh, with no resolution as of right now. Of course, that could change. As soon as I post this pod, there could be a resolution after as soon as this is up. So this is going to be an interesting year for Lamar in a contract year for a guy that is expected to be what he's been over the last few seasons in a Baltimore offense that had a lot of injuries last year, gets top three running backs back, hopefully from injury, including J.K. Dobbins. But also, who's going to be some of his weapons out there at receiver? With uh, with who's going to be out there? Is it going to be Rashad Bateman? Is he going to take a leap in year two? Defense, I think, is more known about what you're going to get. You're you're going to have a really strong defense with uh, with some of the starters that missed time last year. Healthy right now, coming in. You got Marcus Williams, Kyle Fuller coming in and helping their Kyle, uh, Kyle Hamilton helping out that secondary. So Baltimore last year really learned a lot about depth last year on offense and defense. And coming into this year, adding some uh, adding some new players, getting healthy, it, it's in, in, in a way it's addition as well. So defense, you know what you're going to get. Offense, I mean, you know what Lamar's going to bring to the table offensively. It's just how's this offense going to look. And so that's going to be the thing to watch. So there are the Baltimore Ravens right there. Let's uh, let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Of course, the Bengals being the Super Bowl runner-up, heading to the big game last year, 
with Joe Burrow, second year, having an awesome year. And he's Joe Burrow's been a little bit nicked up here recently. Of course, he had an appendectomy here recently, so he's recovering from that. But looks like everything should be fine on that front. But you got Cincinnati going into this year with probably a newfound confidence after the year they had last year. And they're bringing in some exciting players. They did lose a couple, and CJ Uzama tied in Riley Reef at tackle, so they did lose a couple people. They really tried to hammer the offensive line home because after that Super Bowl, that was the big thing, is get Burrow some help so he doesn't end up hurt. And that's what they did. They went out with Lyle Collins, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa to really help bolster that offensive line and protect their franchise quarterback. He added Hayden Hurst to that tight end room. Jesse Bates is coming back. You bring back Eli Apple at corner. So one of the things to take a look at, of course, the teams that usually lose in the Super Bowl they really struggled the following year to kind of find a success after that. So the Bengals are the latest team among this group. And they had the opportunity to try to avoid a similar result. And honestly, they should, considering of what they have coming back. They probably do need some luck, but, you know, hey, what team doesn't need a little bit of luck every now and then? And probably a lot of that luck comes to being healthy and making sure your franchise quarterback in Burrow is well well protected. But as far as Cincinnati goes, the offense, you know what you got in your weapons and Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, you know what you're getting out of them. C.J. Uzama, maybe Hayden Hurst can replace some of his production. The big question is, is how's this new revamped offensive line going to look? How well is it going to do in the running game? How well is it going to be doing in pass pro? That's probably going to be the biggest thing is pass protection. It's like, how's it going to do? And with that, I mean, you got to protect your guy, the guy you drafted number one overall. So maybe Burrow is going to have a less stressful 2022 in which he was sacked a ton of last year. So maybe this new offensive line can really help them out as they go forward in 2022. Defensively, you bring them back in some solid guys there. You drafted Dax Hill from Michigan in the first round, who can really be a versatile piece in that backfield and that secondary. But as far as the Bengals overall, they should be a team to take into consideration into this year. That maybe they shouldn't be overlooked this year as they were last year. That teams are probably going to take notice now of this team that made the Super Bowl last year with a really young group of players, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So maybe... With the team that was inexperienced as them last year, maybe they can take this experience in 2022 and really kind of use that as fire heading into this year as a, as something that can really get them going, as motivation to 
get back to the big game and be on the winning side of things this year. So those are the Bengals. Let's move on to the Browns, which, of course, we talked about. No Deshaun Watson for 11 games. And uh, no Baker Mayfield. He's straight to the Panthers. Looks like he's going to be starting for them. So we got that settled. No Jarvis Landry. Austin Hooper's gone. J.C. Treader's gone. Mac Wilson, Troy Hill, Malik Jackson, Rashard Higgins. A lot of players gone. Brissett, you bring him in. You trade for Amari Cooper. David Njoku's back. Clowney is back. Chase Winovich is coming from the Patriots. Ronnie Harrison's coming back. Denzel Ward, you extend him. I mean, of course, listen, the big thing with everything that's been going on with the Browns is the whole Sean Watson thing. Now you got that settled. Now you know he's going to be gone 11 games. So now you know it's going to be Jacoby Brissett taking snaps behind center and operating this team that, honestly, this team has a really good roster on offense and defense. There's some guys to really like on both sides of the ball. And, of course, on defense, you got to start with Miles Garrett leading the charge there. And offense, you know what you got in your running game and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt with that offensive line that they've built over the last couple seasons. That's really good. So I'll have to see what Kevin Stefanski has up his sleeve now with everything that's going on here with adding Amari Cooper to the fold, see how they get him involved, and see what game plan they have for Jacoby Brissett taking the snaps now for most of the season. Will they lean more into the running game with a really good running game with with two really high-powered weapons at running back between one of the best offensive lines in all of football, if we're being real here. Will they lean more to that? We might see a little bit more of it. But with the Browns, I think, of course, the thing to watch is Jacoby Brissett. How well is he going to do taking snaps now? We've seen him before. We've seen him take snaps as a starter. Solid quarterback. Don't expect nothing more. So we'll have to see what you get out of him for 11 games. But I I think probably one thing you will see is them probably leaning on that running game more because Chubb and Hunt are a dynamic duo. And we'll have to see how that defense holds up. But, of of course, I mean, listen, anytime you got a game changer like Miles Garrett, anytime you got a solid corner like Denzel Ward in that backfield, it's going to help you out a ton. So... Let's see what the Browns. And then finally, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Something Peter was rejoicing over a whole lot was Big Ben finally leaving. (laughs) Probably had a little bit too much enjoyment in that, but that's Peter. What else do you expect? Uh, Some other things to take note of with the Steelers. Losing a couple of receivers. Juju heading to the Kansas City Chiefs. James Washington. No more chemistry jokes between him and Mason Rudolph. So that's probably probably the real big loss of the Steelers offseason. No more of those jokes. Man. So those are gone. Eric Ebron's gone. Trey Turner's gone. Stephon Tewitt. Really good defensive lineman. Retired. Joe Schobert's gone. Joe Hayden's gone. 
So bringing in a lot of new people as well. With uh, starting quarterback Mitchell Trubisky, of course. Uh, Oker four coming in offensive tackle. James Daniels at guard. Mason Cole at center. So really try to help out that offensive line that saw some struggles last year. Larry Ongjobi, defensive tackle, kind of help out there. Miles Jacket, linebacker. Bring in Levi Wallace from Buffalo. Troll Edmonds is coming back. Mika Fitzpatrick, you extend him. He's back. But I think, of course, the big thing is, is this quarterback battle between Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. Will Trubisky see the starting snaps in week one, or is Pickett going to be taking them right from the jump? Or is Pickett going to sit, learn from the bench with a clipboard in his hand? And something happens maybe mid-season and Pickett comes in. So that's going to be something to watch. Rudolph, of course, I mean, probably not going to be anything to take in consideration there. But Pickett, Trubisky, who's going to be the head man there at quarterback? And... Really, on offense, you've got a couple things to take a look at. And look at, of course, the second year of Najee Harris. And seeing how he does in year two, how many touches he gets. Will they try to lower his workload and get Benny Snell involved a little bit more? They drafted a couple receivers and George Pickens and Calvin Austin. Pickens could be a real big game changer at receiver. Calvin Austin's a speedster. And we know the Steelers draft receivers really well. And so it'll be interesting to see how they develop these two guys. Different skill sets, but can potentially be really impactful for them. And have some other guys that can contribute besides Najee Harris. Could Pat Fryermuth, year two of him, could be a safety blanket for whoever's at quarterback. That's entirely possible. So there's some young pieces on this offense that could really be good. But let's see how that quarterback battle shapes up. And defensively, it wasn't as good as last year as it has been in years past. But maybe you add some guys like Jack and Wallace and Unjobi to help out. And then also you got to take in consideration Mike Tomlin. I mean, I know Peter gives him a lot of crap in group chats. But Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the league. I mean, he gets the most out of his players. An excellent leader. You know what you're going to get out of him. Straight shooter. Just done a remarkable job year in and year out. So, honestly, look at this division. The Steelers might be... I don't know. It depends on how you feel about the Browns with Jacoby Brissett. Those two teams are probably battling for third and fourth in that division with, dare I say, the Ravens and Bengals up top. But this could be a really fun division with uh, how it shakes out. And you know the rivalries, those are always going to stay the same. Those should be fun. Those can go either way. So this season should be fun with, uh, I mean, you do know who your top two teams are, but Browns and Sailors could really uh, make things fun here in the AFC North. So everybody, that is where we are going to leave off with the AFC North. Next week, let's see who we're taking a look at next week. I got a feeling that it's going to be the AFC South 
And I'll talk about my team next week and uh, cover all the teams here with uh, me, Matt, and Peter. And then the next week, covering Rebecca's team and a loaded AFC West. That's going to be a lot of fun to talk about in a couple weeks. So next week, with the football previews, college football, we're making our predictions next week with week zero and with regular season predictions, postseason predictions, awards predictions, all that good stuff. And then the NFL, heading on over to the AFC South. I'm talking about the Colts, Titans, Texans, and Jaguars. So be sure to come back next week for all that. So that'll do it for us here, everybody. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully you guys have a good Thursday. Have a good weekend. And until next week, talk to you all next time.